The Washington Commanders win a nail-biter against the New England Patriots. Was it all smoke and mirrors, or are we going to see this team perform a November miracle? Well, we'll tell you here, because it's time for a reckoning. Greetings and salutations. Welcome to Ref the District's Day After Reckoning, where we take a closer look at the game the Washington Commanders played the day before. I'm Nathan Perry. That's the stoner here on the Believe Network. And you better believe this team's got that W and I'm rocking the onesie. <laughs> yeah, love it. Love it that you got the old school onesie, the Redskins yeah. onesie. I had to go old school for this one. I rotate them. I have the four and I try to get them going as far as you know where they are in the rotation. I started the year with the commanders one and then we lost and then I had to put on <laughs> The brand new Commanders one that I got that makes me look like Ronald McDonald. And then we lost again. And so this this time I'm breaking out the old school one. And I'm hoping I get to wear this, you know, four games in a row. You know, I get to wear this five games in a row because that's the rule. You go on a winning streak and you get to keep the onesie rolling. So we'll see. Yeah, you don't want to change anything. You got to keep the, the the same mojo going. Yeah, it gets uh, hung up and ready for the next week. We'll see whether or not Washington can continue. But first, we got to take a look at this New England Patriots game. But before we do, you need to make sure that you are registered for Bet Online because the last of the major pro, pro sports leagues is off and rolling, and college basketball is ready to go as well. Bet Online remains your top spot for all your life betting action and contests. NFL, college football, UFC, NHL are all in full swing. Bet online is your number one source for wagering news, odds, trends, and predictions. All the hoops betting action, along with every sport available at your fingertips with both desktop and mobile access anytime. Head to the Bet Online today and remember to use our promo code BELIEVE for your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online, where the game starts. Yes, sir. Where we, where we want to start, Stoner, is this offense here from the Washington commanders. Now they only put up 20 points, so I don't want to get too carried away with this here because that's not exactly lighting the world on fire, but I think there's just so many dang on positives to, to look at when it comes to this. And my question to you, because this is back-to-back games, we've kind of seen this offense really get its feet under itself. And I don't think it's been horrific Mm-hmm. there's been pockets where it's not been good this mm-hmm. season, but it's never yeah. been really horrific. And now we have two games where I'm looking at what I feel is a pretty good offense, something that we can consistently see week in and week out. Yeah. What is that attribute to you? I'm, you can't give me the easy out and say, Oh, it's all of the above. You got to give me one of these three or take other. All right. Is it right. the fact that Tyler Larson and Chris Paul are in at the offensive line? Or is okay. it Eric Bienemy's play calling? Or is it Sam Howe has just figured it out and is him? Yeah, believe it or not, Nathan, I'm not going to take the easy way out and give you a combination of the three. I honestly and truly believe that this all can be attributed to Eric Bienemy, the offensive coordinator. 
he went through a stretch of a few games there where his play calling was just really, really bad. It was just constantly five and seven step drops over and over. His run to pass ratio was like 80% to 20% for a long stretch. And it was just, everything was kind of out of whack. And you were asking a guy in Sam Howell, a first year starter to just drop back 50 sometimes a game. That's not going to work. And so at some point he finally said, look, we can't keep doing this. I have to change up the game plan. Yes, Sam has played well. Yes, Tyler Larson and Chris Paul have played better than the two guys that they've replaced. But Eric Bieniemy is scheming to take advantage of Sam's strengths and to overcome the weaknesses of that offensive line. Because if you if you watch all of those plays, especially again in that first half, it was quick passes. It was screen passes. It was bubble screens. It was dump offs to the backs. And the tight the tight end was staying back to block. And as soon as he hit the guy one time, Logan Thomas, he would drop off into the flat. Boom. Five, seven yards, whatever. So I attribute most of that offensive production, the change the last two weeks. First time they've been over 400 yards in back-to-back games in four years, something like that, three-plus years. Yeah, 2020. Yeah, yeah I would attribute most of that uh, praise would go to Eric Bieniemy, and everyone, And those other people that you brought up, they play a role. It's not just all Eric Bieniemy, but he has figured out something within this, within the game plan, within the schemes that works for what he has available to him, and these last two weeks have proved that. Yeah, these last two weeks against against the Eagles, which is a very good defense, Washington was able to consistently move the ball. There were some troubles there in the second half, and I think that those troubles kind of came back a little bit here sure. against the Patriots in the second half. But he is really, like you said, putting up this offense with a chance to succeed, to be mm-hmm. successful. Mm-hmm. Now, that being said, I kind of got myself in a little trouble with the fellow oh. Howlers uh, okay. yesterday during the play-by-play where I yeah. insinuated, I didn't just insinuate, I straight up said it, Stoner, <laughs> said Sam Howell before this game has not shown enough to warrant being called the QB of the future. Right. John Allen uh, watches the channel, and uh, he he came out in his post-game presser, and he was just like, no, Sam Howell's going to be the QB for the next decade. Yeah. What have you seen from Sam Howell over these last two games that makes you think Sam Howell should be the franchise quarterback? The biggest thing that I've seen over these last two days is his ability to change, his ability to adapt to what has gone wrong in those previous six games or seven games. He has seen that, look, I cannot keep taking sacks. And he has made a conscious effort to get out of the pocket, throw it away, get out of the pocket and scramble a little bit. Just doing little things. I've noticed his awareness in the pocket, his pocket presence has even improved. You see him making these little adjustments, stepping up into the pocket and making throws or standing there when the pocket is not collapsing. We've seen him get out of the pocket when it hasn't been a bad pocket. He had probably three or four throws in a tight pocket, but not a collapsed pocket. Mm -hmm. And he was able to complete a few of those down the field when he's needed to. So I think that's the biggest adjustment is he's looked at his weaknesses and he said, I've got to figure out 
how to make them better. I have to improve. And he's done that. And like you said, these are not bad defenses. This is the Eagles who have a pretty good defense, especially their front uh, front four or five. And then, of course, the Patriots. And all week, what did we hear? Bill Belichick eats first and second year quarterbacks for lunch. Well, he didn't eat Sam Howell for lunch. And, and I think just that improvement these last two weeks on his pocket presence and his awareness, his willingness to go ahead and dump it to his backs, to throw it away and live for another down, that's been a huge advantage uh, for this offense the last couple of games. Yeah, I would actually even go as far as to say, Stoner, that in my question I asked you, I would say Sam Howell's improvement is the reason why this offense is starting to really get going mm. because Eric Bieniemy's play calling has improved the last couple of games, but he has had you know, these plays where there was a hot route or there was an outlet. Sam just yeah. wasn't hitting it. Sam was always looking for the big play. Yeah. And now what we've seen from Sam Howell these last two games is, like you said, he's hitting those check downs. He's, he's living fair. to fight another day. He's throwing the ball away and he's moving away from the pass rush. These are things we hadn't really seen. And that's why I had said that early mm-hmm. on in the play-by-play yesterday was Sam Howell needs to show us the Eagles game. And now this Patriots game, is that's the QB who he is. And he can even improve from this because yeah. we've seen wow throws all season. Sure. But we've also seen 40 some odd sacks. Mm-hmm. And we've also seen bad decision making. And he did make one egregious decision. Yeah. It was and and there's no excuse, right? That's, I mean, that's why it's an egregious mistake. Him throwing in to five Patriots and only two Washington players yeah. was just a bonehead mistake. And there's no excusing it. But no. what we've seen from Sam Howe makes Terry McLaurin think that he's got the QB of the future. It makes Jonathan Allen think that they got the QB of the future. It makes Nathan Perry think we have the QB of the future. And, uh, and jury still, we don't have to make that decision. It is, of course. <laughs> the, we don't have to make that decision right now, right? We still have a full, you know, full half yeah. of the season to go through. Sure. But I love seeing the improvements that he's making, and I want to see him continue doing that because if we have the QB of the future, and of course it's not your decision, it's not my decision, it's likely not Ron Rivera's or the Marty's decisions. It's yeah. maybe not even Eric Bianini's decision. Yeah, and Ron said, you you said, Terry McLaurin said it, Jonathan Allen said it, you said it, Ron Rivera said it. Whether he's going to be here or not, Ron Rivera said it last week. Look, we found our guy. That's the only thing that's going to save Ron Rivera, too. If somehow he wants to save his job, and let's say he gets to eight or nine wins and gets to the playoffs, Sam Howell is going to be the only thing that can save his job. Don't even right? think that because would be he enough. Can say, I drafted him, I developed him, I brought him in here, let me see it through. But, but you're right, Nathan. I, I I am to that point. I've said it. Well, probably from about week three, maybe, probably even before that, maybe, because I was not a howler. Mm-hmm. If you watch any of this channel, I was not a howler at the beginning. But I saw him progress from last year all the way to this year. I'm convinced. I'm convinced he can be the guy. But he does have another eight games. What are those? Rec- yeah, eight games to prove that. Because if he goes out for these next eight games and throws up on himself, then you can easily just say, no, he's not the guy. He's got to do it for a full season. 
Yeah. Uh, big kudos to Zampezi, by the way, who is the quarterback's coach and really mm-hmm. working with Sam Howell and getting him to improve on this, Absolutely. you know, these aspects of his game, because that's going to go a huge, a long way for Washington when it comes to mm-hmm. whether or not Sam Howell is the quarterback of the future. One thing I will caution people for, okay, is right now Sam Howell is second in the NFL in uh, passing yardage. He's like six or seventh in, I think, touchdowns. Mm-hmm. And like he the box score stats are outstanding. Okay. And I and yeah. I love him. He's got a great completion percentage. His rating is is uh equivalent to like Jalen Hurts over the last 10, 10 games or Joe Burrow and all, all these QBs that we fall in love with and everything like mm-hmm. that. Kermit on the box score checking and you know, pay attention as Stoner does with his eyes on the field and whether or not he convinces you that he has it, that he's the one there, yeah. or look at some of the more advanced analytics because we don't want someone who is a just a box score stuffer. Yeah. And I don't think that is Sam Howell. But I just want to caution everybody because that's been the I, big buzz fair. today, Stoner, is mm-hmm. oh, Sam Howell second in passing and all this other stuff. And it's just like, okay, but. He's also throwing 55 times per game. He's still, <laughs> That's right. Like he's, he leads the league in attempts. Yes. Okay. Yeah. So he's going <laughs> to probably have more yards than, than most people. But, you know, like you said, some of those things, the completion percentage, it, even though he is throwing it a lot, he is completing at a high mm-hmm. rate. And his interceptions are what, at nine? Yeah, he's, he there, is. He is one of the top. He is. He is in the top uh, ten also, yeah, as well with I, the interceptions on the season. I agree, Nathan. There, there is. It's nice to look at, but you just you kind of have to watch it in context mm. and, and make your own decision there. Yeah, you mentioned that we mentioned the completion percentage. Just made me thinking of dovetail here. Why we're still on the offense? The drops, man. He's being killed by some of these drops, yeah. and it's just it's so frustrating to see. I brought up the the fancy stat where he's like a catchable pass and everything like that. Mm-hmm. There's just been so many drops that he could be in the seventies yeah, for completion percentage. If his wide receivers just helped him out a little bit more, but we're going to, you're going to, you're going to get that, you know, coming and going. It is strange to see Terry McLaurin and Jahan Dotson who are known for catching even difficult passes. Yeah. But I, I think that, those two will continue to develop and hopefully they will develop with QB one on the other side of the ball stoner. This was the first defensive outing without Montez sweat and chase young on the team. Obviously we've had times before where they were both injured, but this is really the first post trade game where we get to see what this roster might look like without one of those two edge rushers. Mm-hmm. What were your thoughts on the replacements coming in for both Chase Young and Montez Sweat? Well, I think what's this is what I love about Day After Reckoning. Yesterday we had our instant reaction, and you know you're juiced up. We do it literally ten minutes after the game ends, and we're juiced up over the win. Or in previous ones, we're mad about a loss or something. But then today we have the chance to kind of get that sleep and refresh our brains and watch tape and all that. And you get a a big difference in what we were thinking yesterday and what we saw today. And uh, offensively, I thought they were actually better than what I remembered yesterday. But defensively, Nathan, I actually thought that they were a little bit worse 
Yeah, we were we were singing the praises yesterday. It was pretty much everything was centered around. Well, they had that one big sixty-four yard touchdown yeah. uh, run, but that was it. The defense held their own outside of that, and yeah. maybe not quite the quite what was the case, Stoner? Was it? Yeah, those two guys uh, who were placed, which is James Smith Williams and Casey Tuhill. Look, Casey Tuhill really was not a factor in this game. He was completely stymied. Um, just zero factor. I think his only stat was he had a pressure and that was it in 42 snaps in this game. So, uh, but James Smith Williams, he did make a few plays. Obata made a, a few plays, but overall defensively, I didn't think that they were as good as what they ended up with the 17 points. I thought new England's offense helped them out so much with, with bad plays, with bad quarterbacking. Think about the fourth down play in the first half that Mac Jones missed a wide open receiver. St. Juice was beat pretty bad on that. Um, think about the uh, some of the other throws that he had. If you uh, the one to Ramondre Stevenson in the fourth quarter that Jamin Davis was beat pretty bad and had to come back. If that was a good pass. He scores an easy touchdown mm-hmm. on that. He was he was wide open, but it was it was too high and and gave Jamin Davis time to come back to it. And just a lot of plays like that. They they were effective against stopping the run, other than the one long run. I think they were 18 for 43 other than that run, that long run. But you can't discount the long run. So they ended up giving, giving up over 100, 100 yards rushing, 107, I think. Uh, it, it's concerning that this defensive line is still unable to get pressure on the quarterback by themselves. I think of the 42 snaps that that uh, Tuhill had, 37 of them they rushed four. So they had no blitzing, no help, no nothing. And they just didn't create a lot of pressure. Now, Mac Jones was getting the ball out quick like Sam Howell was, mm-hmm. but still on those times, I mean, the one time they got their most pressure, they got called for a, a penalty for roughing the passer. <laughs> Which was the worst penalty in history? Start on that joke there. Yeah, they just—they've got a ways to go, Nathan. Still, they do, and and so when looking at that, and we we did the we're doing a clip up of Casey Tuhill's snaps, and and that's going to be on the channel if you haven't already seen that by the time we are watching our day after reckoning here, and it it shows me like James Smith Williams and Casey Tuhill, they're they're fine. Right. They're okay. They're, they are right. the definition of just another guy though. Okay. Sure. They're, they're absolutely Jags. They are, they are, they're not special. And as much grief as people wanted to give chase young for freelancing or being a diva and everything like that, chase young showed us he has something special. Okay. He might mm-hmm. not do it every down. He's not Casey two Hill in that factor where Casey two Hill I think I, out of all those plays, I think I counted one where it seemed like he kind of gave up on the play. Mm. And I mean, it was, it, the play was like 10 yards and it was by the sideline. So by the time he was like trying to get over there, he, you know, he started jogging because there's nothing much he's going to be able to do. Yeah. But outside of that, Casey Tuha does have a high motor, right? James Smith Williams, his savviest play was the fact that he went down and gave an extra bit of time. So, so, sure. you know, Ron Rivera could throw his challenge flag, but there, it was so frustrating to watch it because I was just like, these guys, no one fears them. They can go, they, the offense that we're going to be playing against for the rest of the season, 
will have no problem putting a right tackle and a left tackle against these guys one on one. Right. They don't you don't need to chip block them. You, you don't, don't need, need you, you don't need to double team them with the guard. You're gonna focus everybody on the inside with Deron Payne and Jonathan Allen. Yeah. Because on the outside, you just don't have a guy. He, he, we don't have a guy who's gonna be winning it. And and Stoner, it was actually it wasn't so bad. I don't want to say that it was so bad. It was so mid. How's that? It was mm. so mid yeah. that I think that an edge rusher is probably more of a need for this team than an offensive lineman. I know that's blasphemous. <laughs> I know everybody <laughs> wants an offensive lineman. They want Sam Howe to be the guy. They want an offensive lineman and to protect him and do all this other stuff. But I'm telling you, Hmm. We can work with a with with an offensive line that's kind of you know cookie cutter. All right, yeah. just got to kind of pull a couple pieces. We're not going to get very far if we don't have a premier edge rusher. We yeah, got to have somebody fair. out there who can win a one on one and consistently who yeah. needs to be double teamed. So, in my opinion, and I'm looking forward to your com- people's comments on this one in YouTube or hitting us up on Ref the District's uh, social media channels. But in my opinion. An edge rusher should be the number one overall pick right now here in November. It's far too soon to really look at the draft, mm. but that'd be that'd be my my pick in round one is an edge rusher because we just don't have the guy here. Yeah, I, I think you're insane with, with that <laughs> statement. I don't mind second rounder, but you 100 percent. Look, we we like Charles Leno. And you always talk about Charles Leno as far as he's, he's, he's so fine. underrated. He's so right. Underrated. Yeah. Right. He's fine. He's not great. I mean, you didn't, he wasn't getting killed yesterday. Right. But I think he has one year left on his contract. We need a left tackle. Nathan, we need a left tackle. That's going to be there for 10 years. Okay. We need Trent yes. Williams more than we need Joey Bosa. If we're going to use San Francisco, you know, hall of famers, okay. we need Trent Williams more. Then if you want to go and get a guy in the second round as your edge rusher, then then fine. Hey, look, I know there's a free agent out there who's going to be a free agent at the end of the year that you can go get. His name <laughs> rhymes with Schmace Mung. So you might want to go and uh, yeah. and see if he's available, see if he wants to come back to Washington. But, yeah, I think you got to go left tackle uh, with your very first pick. and. They've ignored that for so long in terms of a high draft pick on the offensive line that it's it's showing up. It's showing up now that we're having to piece together sure. with fifth and seventh and sixth rounders other than Cosme, of course. So yeah. it, that's where I disagree with you, but I I get where you're coming from with that, uh, with that it, statement. It, it's just, I mean, the good news is, Stoner, thanks to the Montez sweat trade, they will have what is almost guaranteed to be like a first five in the second round mm-hmm. because plus they, their own they, plus their own might end up being a first five in the second <laughs> round as well. <laughs> you never right? know, you never but know. you got a couple second rounders and I know the typically people don't like those uh, here in Washington, but we got to mm-hmm. do something for an edge rusher because they were just not it. Now that being said, stoner. Yeah. Uh, I was very happy to see the young guys getting their time to shine. In fact, I think so. that last play stoner mm-hmm. who tell me who was on the field for that last play. Well, on the line, you had uh KJ, jo- KJ Henry and Andre Jones, Jr. Both rookies fifth and seventh round, right? They were your defensive ends. Your defensive tackles were, I think I said Jonathan Allen, but uh, I was correct. It was, it was bottom. Bottom. Mm-hmm. 
F.A. Obata, and then also uh, second-year guy, Fedarian Mathis. Then you had, at linebacker, you had Jamin Davis. And then your secondary, you had two rookies, Forbes and Quan Martin. Then you had a second-year guy in Percy Butler. And then you had a third-year guy in Benjamin St. Juice, along with your third-year guy, Jamin Davis. And then you had your veterans, uh, Kendall Fuller and Cam Curl. So out of your 11 guys out there, eight of them are in their first three years. I think that's significant. And we got some blowback saying, hey, uh, they didn't really do anything. Juju Smith-Schuster tipped that ball up to get it picked off. But whatever. They were out there. Yeah. They were out there and they made a play. And, and they were out there at a trusted moment. This wasn't like some right. random second quarter drive that we're seeing exactly. the young guys out there. This is a fourth quarter two-minute drill mm-hmm. that the New England Patriots need to get a field goal or they can try to score a touchdown to win the game there. Yep. And we have that many young guys out there. And yep. even on offense, you're seeing some of the younger guys get their their time. And, and I think that the, that just is really good for this team. And whether or not they go on a run, Stoner, or they mm-hmm. don't go on a run, I think – I'm not saying that this this team is loaded with talent. Okay. Right. I'm not saying we're brimming with like, you know, the next superstars at every position or anything like that. But I do think that Washington, especially with Sam Howe continuing to develop and these young guys that are on defense and these young guys who are contributing on offense, this is an attractive spot. If Ron Rivera doesn't survive, which no one believes he's going to. He might, even if he makes it into the playoffs and wins a playoff game, it's very likely we've seen the last of Ron Rivera coaching here in Washington just because Mm -hmm. they'll want to move on with somebody who can take this team from what he's built and take it to the next step, right? And I think there are pieces there that Washington makes Washington a spot where you do have something to build upon. And you can mm-hmm. come back and look at this this particular play, which I I don't understand what people were like. They didn't do anything. Juan Martin got his first interception. Was it off of a tip? Yes. Was that tip because Kendall Fuller was playing excellent coverage? Yes. So mm-hmm. what, were there other people who were open? I don't I don't remember seeing anybody else open. I think and was the pressure there for Mac Jones? Was it getting rid of it? I mean, look back at that play and. And you'll see that Washington trusted their young guys to make an impact, and it worked. Yeah, I agree. And throughout the game, those guys were out there with the K.J. Henry sack, no sack, whatever you want to say. Andre Jones was out there. He made a couple plays. Tip to pass. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we've been killing Forbes, rightfully so. But Forbes was out there making plays. He almost had a couple of picks. He had, I think, two pass breakups. He had a nice open field tackle on Ramondre Stevenson. Um, he had a, another play where he was the closest guy to the the thrown ball from Mac Jones, not the receiver. And and you saw and look, Quan Martin, he pops on special teams. He doesn't pop so much defensively. Every once in a while, you'll see him, but on special teams, he pops. He's he's pretty darn good there. So so look, we got to give them their their just due here in this particular game. And hopefully we see more of them getting more and more snaps now this week coming up. We'll talk about it later, but Seattle is a formidable foe, especially those receivers. We'll see what happens. But at least for this week, the young guys showed out. 
Yeah, Emmanuel Forbes did apps. He absolutely needed to be in this game. They started him. He got the chance, and the Patriots were trying to attack him, mm-hmm. and he wasn't having it. He was doing a great job. You mentioned the one near interception that he had. That was, you know, Smith Schuster having to play defense there, and yeah. likely could have been called for offensive pass interference. It was because yeah. and and. And Forbes also proving why he's not a receiver because he had like two or three shots at that ball and didn't come down with it. But yeah, he uh, he did have a guy draped all over him. But there was a lot of great, I thought, that we saw from Emmanuel Forbes. And we talked a little bit about it. But did he do enough stoner to get into our go-goes and no-goes? Mm, interesting. So, you know that I always like to start off with actually the no-goes. Even though this is a go-goes and no-goes, yeah, I like to do the no goes because I like to end on positive. Sure. So let's okay. get let's get right off here with the no goes for the Washington Commanders against the New England Patriots. Who is your no go for this game? It's it's hard to take a a no go because you know when you win it, and it's hard and there wasn't guys that really stood out and played bad, but um. Gosh, I think I'm probably going to have to go with De'Ami Brown. I mean, De'Ami Brown did contribute. He did have a few catches in there. Two but there were one on or four targets. Yeah, there were there were a couple of plays that he could have made a play. And especially if you think about that one in the end zone, where if you watch it in slow-mo of how, relatively speaking, it was an easy catch. It was not an easy catch. He had to jump for it. But, I mean, it went right through his hands. Mm-hmm. It wasn't too high that it went way over his hands right it went right through the middle of his hands he should have caught that you know what happened the next play nathan the very next play and i could be wrong maybe it's two plays or whatever yeah sure same that's drive. When the interception mm-hmm. same drive that's when they had the interception interception in the end zone it was a couple of plays before that so if i'm gonna go ahead and give a no-go which i don't really want to on this because <laughs> there was nobody that stood out yeah, i'm gonna it was- give it to deami brown yeah, usually there's usually there's one or two players that you can look at or coaches or something, mm-hmm. you know, or plays or something where you can look at and be like, yeah, that was bonehead. Yeah, and that was dumb. And you're going to be my no go. And maybe that is the Sam Howell interception for some. Mm-hmm. But I think he played well enough to to stay away from being sure. a no go. Uh, the drops by Diami Brown, Jahan Dotson, even Terry McLaurin, uh, not being 100% reliable. Sure, you can look at them, but. I'm going to go with a guy who I spent significant time looking at Uh-oh. and wanting to see anything, anything from, and that's going to be Casey Tuhill. Yeah. I, I, yeah. I just can't there. I mean, when, when you're looking at it and I mean, if you just want to go even just by the box score, he had one, uh, he had just one tackle yeah. and that was it. He was not effective. He was not disruptive. Mm-hmm. You know, we call him Casey two sacks, right? He got those back. He got those two sacks against Atlanta. He flashed on occasion for other, other games in this game in his first game that he's getting a big opportunity to prove that he should stay on this roster. He laid an egg. Yeah, he really did. I, I mean, I like the high motor and I like that. I mean, he is a, maybe you could call him a glue guy, right? Where he just, I mean, he is a guy you kind of need on the roster, mm-hmm. you know, 
but he really didn't do anything special at it's all. Fair. And he was just wiped, wiped away. You yeah, know, whether or not he was fair. on the left or right side, he just was not a factor. And you need to have your edge rushers be a factor on that defensive line. Yeah, that's fair. Moving on to the good side of it, Stoner, yeah. our go-goes, which, like I said, in a victory where you're very, you know, it's a bad, it's a it's a close victory. It's an ugly win. It's not, mm-hmm. you know, but I tell you what, I, there's a lot of people who can probably get put on this go-go list here. So, yeah. We'll let you, I'll release my, uh, I'll, I'll release my, uh, hold on you. You can go ahead and pull a stoner if you want Okay. rattle off a few here. Okay. Yeah. So I'm not going to say, uh, the easy one, which is Sam Howell. I thought Sam Howell was really, really good, especially the next day watching every play. I thought he was even better than I thought yesterday. He was just really good. And I, and I bumped his grade from a B plus to an A minus that, that one, interception clouds everything if they'd lost the game he probably would have been like a c because of that interception would have would have hold, mm-hmm. held so much weight uh but uh i think i have to go with and we talked about him earlier in the show i think i have to go with eric b enemy eric b enemy i thought called another masterful game they only had two drives in the third quarter and they scored a touchdown and a field goal and they were we we charted it during the live play-by-play Short pass, short pass, short pass, run, run, short pass, deep. Then he finally goes deep and then short. That's what is successful for this team right now. Maybe in the future when you have better pieces, then you can have more uh, deeper drops, more times that that will be successful. But that's what this team needs right now, and he did it. And whether it was his decision or Ron's decision to change out the center position with Tyler Larson, and then uh, Chris Paul is in there at left guard because of an injury, but still he's there now. And I, I kind of notice a real good communication between Larson, Paul, and Leno on that left side. So everything that Eric Bieniemy, all the buttons that he pushed in this game, seemed to work uh, offensively. So I give him uh, my go-go for this week is is uh, offensive coordinator Eric Bieniemy. I think he's been my no-go like three or four times. So. <laughs> And so he's off, of, Try, he's off trying of to break snide. even trying to get to 500 yeah. is yeah. Eric the enemy here on the go-go's and no-go's for my go-go stoner. When looking at the opportunities players had Curtis Samuel was out for this game. And so it was a big question of who's going to step up in his place. Jamison Crowder looked good last week against the Eagles yeah. getting extended time in that kind of similar playset that Curtis Samuel's being seen. This time, you, as you mentioned, De'Ami Brown has his opportunities. Six targets for Jamison Crowder, but the one who I thought stood out this week as a relatively you know, unused to this point wide receiver was Byron Pringle. Yeah, And uh, he caught three of the four. He was well behind the defense on that fourth uh, target as well. He was the target of Sam Howell's I don't know what the heck he was thinking. Desperation throw across his body high up in the air. I really thought that was going to get intercepted, but Byron Pringle came down with it and then got significant yards. I, I, I honestly, I'm not sure why that play hasn't been like on loop for people's like highlight reels, because yeah, yeah. if that, if this were Patrick Mahomes or Joey Burrow or John Shallon or anybody, Taylor Heineke, they, F yeah, it. Yeah, down and he, you just do that and it gets there like i mean they're like wow that was yeah. amazing 
and it was it was just crazy is what it was but byron pringle made that work and got the extra yards off of it and i just i liked what we saw from him and we're going to need if curtis samuel is going to miss significant time jameson crowder deami brown and byron pringle are gonna have to step up and i thought byron pringle did that admirably this game i like that we saw him in training camp and he popped in training camp well we saw him we was oh that's that's wide receiver four right there uh because he is a very good route runner and he has a lot of speed and then Mm -hmm. like you said all those plays he made yesterday were were key so yeah i like the guy he's an e b guy Hey, so that's another uh, little peg. Another check. Side. Another check yeah. for for Eric Bieniemy. Yeah. Let's get to our final thoughts. Washington winning a nail biter, twenty to seventeen against the New England Patriots. Mm-hmm. You know, coming up, they've got the Seahawks. They got to travel across the country. Yeah. What are your what? Let's wrap up this Patriots as we move on to Seattle. Well, I mean, look, it's a massive, massive game this weekend against Seattle, the biggest of the year not even close. It's not a must win. I'm not even going to say that, but this is a, a spot where Seattle is five and three and they're like in the fifth spot. Washington, you even said it earlier. Let's, let's not get too carried away, but Washington is right there for a playoff spot. They're the eighth seed. And who is the seventh seed? The Vikings and Josh Dobbs. God bless him for that play yesterday, the way he played yesterday, but he's not going to be long-term leading this team to victories up and down. That was Atlanta they played. So uh, they did what they had to do. Their four wins this year are against four bad teams, four really bad teams in in Arizona, Denver, Atlanta, and now New England. So let's not get carried away with this team in terms of is this team going to make this big playoff push. They're probably going to win seven or eight games. But seven or eight games might get you in the playoffs this year, again, because of how bad the rest of the NFC East or NFC is. So let's try and keep that in mind as we start looking big picture for the rest of this year. Let's not start tank calling for tanking and losing and all this. They've still got a shot for that seventh seed in the playoffs. They have winnable games, Nathan, ahead of them. Yeah, not not even just not even just by the way, the the seventh seed. Washington's the eighth seed right now okay right. honestly the, not you know they're in eighth position i guess it's not yeah. a seed if you're not in there the vikings the saints and the cowboys and the seahawks and 49ers are all within a game or so right uh see seahawks san francisco and cowboys are five and three but saints and vikings are five and four those two right. lose washington wins everyone's 500 in a playoff spot you're you're in a playoff spot you're in yeah. contention it is so frustrating stoner so frustrating when I when I see fans or hear fans talk about, mm. well, we're not good, and why do people want to cheer on, and when this team's going to be mid and going to be a fifteen, let all that sort out. Mm-hmm. Right now, you have games to win. Yeah. Okay. And they just won one against the Patriots. Don't come looking back and telling me that oh, this is the reason why they ended up with the sixth seed instead of the fifth seed. Mm-hmm, we'll look mm-hmm. at that down the road. All those decisions are down the road. What's right in front of us is a chance to make a run. Absolutely. They beat, they played well against the Eagles. They beat the Patriots. If they can beat Seattle, which is a good team, but maybe not a great team. I mean, when you look at Seattle, they beat the Panthers, the Giants, the Cardinals. 
Like these are these are some of the wins. Now they have good wins against the Lions. They've got a win against the Browns, uh, but they just got trounced by the Baltimore Ravens. We're not the Baltimore Ravens. We're not going to beat Seattle 37 to three, but if they can build off of what we saw here with this Patriots victory, Mm -hmm. I'll be mightily impressed. And I think that Washington can go on a run. I think, I think one of those things that you look at in when you play a bad team and you have guys like Forbes and Martin and Mathis and guys out there who may not be out there if you're playing the Eagles, but they're out there in this game and they're excelling and they're building confidence and that helps build towards the next game. Maybe they can build upon what they've done in this game moving forward and not just have us constantly say, well, they're just no good. They've proved it time and again that they're not good. They lost to the Giants. They lost to the Bears. But there are a lot of bad teams out there, Nathan. And if you look at other teams, you mentioned the the teams that – who was it that you were saying that uh, had those wins? They, they beat the Panthers, the, the Giants. This is Seattle that beat – Yeah, this is, right, right. Three of their five wins are against bottom dwellers. And look at – who do you think is a top five team right now? Are the Dolphins a top five team even though they lost yesterday? Are they a top five team? Probably, maybe. Yeah, They're, probably. Yeah. They've beaten the Chargers, the Patriots, the Broncos, the Giants, and the Panthers. And, uh, and the Patriots again. Sorry. So they their six wins are against the bottom of the barrel as well. And yet we want to anoint them. Just think if Washington had just beaten, let's just say, the Giants in that game. That's and they're one. five and four instead of four mm-hmm. and five. We have a totally different outlook, but they didn't and they lost. And that plays into how we view this team, but beat the teams you're supposed to beat giants, Rams, jets. Um, give me one more giants, Rams, jets. There's another winnable game in there. I for, can't remember for Washington, for Washington. Yeah. Washington, uh, as I have to maybe bring that's it up it. here. Maybe it's just the Giants, Rams. <laughs> yeah, so you got the Giants, the Rams, the Jets, and that's really that's really it. I mean, the rest of the okay. games: Seahawks, Cowboys, Dolphins, and 49ers, and the Cowboys again. I mean, they, they yeah. have a tough tough road ahead. Right, make no doubt beat, about it. Beat the teams you're supposed to beat. Those three teams, steal one. Maybe a Cowboys at home. Maybe a. Um, Seattle this week or whatever, and you're at eight wins, eight wins this year, just almost like last year when it was nine, seven, and one that got that last spot. Eight wins might get you a playoff spot this year. And, and that's what you're going for. So there is a little bit of hope. They haven't shown that they can beat a good team. They've shown that they can lose to bad teams. I get that, but let's build off this new England win. Give the young guys even more confidence Sam Howell can put you on his back and win a game or two. And let's just see what happens. All right. Well, we will have plenty to talk about here on Ref the District. So wherever you are watching or listening, make sure that you hit that like button, subscribe, make sure you're leaving us a rating if you're on an audio platform. And we are presented by Bet Online, and you'll be sure to check us out on Wednesday live here on YouTube. Join the conversation with us, but we'll have daily commanders updates in between and your game preview for Seattle. Seattle will be out on Saturday. But until next time. Welcome to 2023, Eric BM.
be a fan. Here we go.